Okay, before we get into the podcast for today, be sure to rate this on iTunes and uh, also please consider donating to the show. And if you like what you hear and want to start your own podcast or any audio recordings, I'm here to help. Click the email sign-up link in the show notes below, or if you're on YouTube, click the link in the description. Thank you. Welcome to the Blue Oasis Podcast. This is the podcast for finding peace and prosperity in your life, learning the history of hobbies, as well as making a little side hustle out of your hobbies. If you want to find balance in your life and find peace, this is your show. Get ready. You're listening to the Blue Oasis Podcast. I am your host, Adam Rosty. All right, let's get to the show. All right. Uh, good. Hello, everyone. How are you? Uh, I am with uh, Jason Sherman. He is an entrepreneur and uh, award-winning filmmaker. Jason, how are you? I'm doing great, man. Thanks for having me, Adam. I appreciate it. Uh, you are welcome. All right. Um, so we have the introduction. All right. So give the audience a little, uh, a few facts about yourself. Sure. I, I, I was raised as a classically trained violinist in my early days. Um, jumped, jumped into technology for college, ended up being a web developer, mobile app developer. That's my main business now. Um, published a couple books, became a journalist. And now I teach a course about entrepreneurship along with a, a book and a podcast about the same. And uh, then I started to venture into filmmaking about 13 years ago. Nice, nice. Um, okay, uh, so how did you get started with your uh, filmmaking career? And did it become a side hustle or, or was it a side hustle at first? Yeah. And so it's actually funny because originally it was never meant to be even a side hustle. It was, it started by accident. And the ironic part is when I was a kid, my grandfather ran a local movie theater. He was the manager. He would, uh, he was the projectionist. So as a kid, I would go into the theater and help him, you know, rip tickets, serve popcorn, um, I'd sit in the um, the projection room and the projection booth and watch movies from his perspective. I remember seeing Return of the Jedi when I was a kid in the theater. So uh, that probably dates me. <laughs> uh, but I remember, you know, loving film, loving movies, but I never got into filmmaking for my whole life. I was always a technology person and a music person. So I liked making music and I liked building websites and building computers. So you fast forward to my father's 60th birthday and his retirement party was all in one. I was in my early, early 30s. And my mother contacts me and says, hey, Jason, you know, I think it'd be really great if we had some sort of, you know, photo slideshow of your dad's life. And everybody does photo slideshows. And I said, well, photo slideshows are boring. You just see these pictures pop up with some music and that's it. So I thought to myself, mom, don't you have a lot of videos and don't you have a lot of pictures? And the point is, I ended up making, teaching myself how to make a video 
of my dad's life with narration and music and storylines. And like, it was, it was an actual, it was like a, a life movie. Right. So I, I never knew I didn't know how to do this. I had to teach myself on some crappy software and I, I ended up making it and we put it on a big TV at his house at his retirement 60th birthday party in front of 50 of our closest friends and family. And people were blown away. People were like, holy, holy moly, you made this movie, man. This was amazing. I've never seen anything like it. You should become a filmmaker. You should make movies. And it hit me in the head. I'm like, well, number one, I enjoyed doing it. Number two, it was really cool. And number three, people loved it. So I decided, okay, I'm going to be a filmmaker. <laughs> I'll add that to the list of things I'm already doing. And it just fell into my lap, you know, and, and now I didn't know anything about filmmaking. I just knew that I loved watching movies and I felt like I could make movies better than other people out there. So I decided to join a production company, like a, 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 an established company out there who was already filming things so I could learn. And I did it all for free. I was like, I'll just learn. Don't pay me anything. And I ran around with people shooting different things. Then I started to organize my own people to shoot my own things. And I started shooting music videos and short films and like uh, celebrity interviews at Comic-Con. And I bought a camera. I spent all this money on an expensive camera, which I later sold to MTV, which was pretty cool um, because I didn't need it anymore. I bought a new I bought new equipment. So it ended up being that I learned very quickly how to create videos. And then in 2010, 2009, 2010, I wrote my first screenplay for a horror film, Bucks County Massacre, and me and a bunch of people, and we had a real production. We had about a 50-person crew. It was like a 20-person cast. We had, uh, you know, wardrobe and makeup, and it was, it was a big production, you know, and, and we made this movie. I was like, wow, I can make an actual movie. I got into a film festival. We won an award. I got picked up by an agent and a distributor. It got put out everywhere. And that, I was, that's it. This is, this is my new thing. I want to be a filmmaker. I can make a movie that wins awards. I can make a movie that gets distributed. So from 2010 to 2016, those six years, that's when filmmaking became my side hustle. It started out as a passion and a hobby, but it turned into a side hustle because being that I'm a technology entrepreneur, and I run startups and I teach entrepreneurship, I embedded myself into the technology industry in Center City, Philadelphia, which is basically technology events, investor pitches, um, you know, big time uh, university hackathons. And I became a journalist during this time. So I was a journalist covering events. I was filming the events. I was taking pictures of the events and I was getting paid for all of it. So it was like, oh, wow, I'm getting paid for this work. Now, I never really wanted to do that. Just so you know, FYI, I never really wanted to do that. That was never my intention. Right. It just happened because I had the skill set and I happened to be a technology entrepreneur. So it made sense. And I was also a writer. So it made sense to be a journalist. So, you know, the funny thing about all of it is that when you think, when you think back about certain skills that you pick up and certain hobbies or, or, or side hustles, they somehow make their way into your main business and you realize that they all kind of work together, you know, in unison. And so I got kind of um, bored 
is the easiest word to say. I got, I got bored. I got disillusioned maybe is what the better word. I got disillusioned and a little like, I don't want to do this anymore. I want to make movies. That's what I want to do. So in between running a tech startup and helping other entrepreneurs with their tech startups, because that's kind of what I do, is I came up with an idea for a documentary, a historical documentary called The King's Highway. And it was a huge story that had never been told before. And I thought, this is my opportunity to try again, make another movie. <clears throat> and I did. I spent a year learning about the topic, interviewing people, shooting lots and lots of footage. I bought a drone. I became a drone pilot to get that airborne, you know, the aerial shots, the aerial views, really nice cinematography. Yeah. Um, lots of music involved in the, in the movie. And I was able to make some songs for the movie. And anyway, the movie ended up doing really well. It was a huge success. It, it got picked up by another agent, another distributor, won a film festival, uh, Audience Choice Award. It got picked up by WHYY and PBS for streaming on their on their TV station for a whole year of Verizon Fios and then Comcast Xfinity put it in 20 million homes nationwide. It was just like, again, it was a huge success. I won tons of awards. The governor named a day after my movie. The King's Highway is now King's Highway Day on August 20th. And so I got this huge um, award on my wall from the House of Representatives. So like this, this big explosion happened after that movie. And I realized, man, I really want to do this for the rest of my life. I don't really want to work in technology anymore, even though I love technology and it's always been my bread and butter. I love filmmaking. I love writing screenplays, which I started to really hone my craft yeah. and, and write screenplays. So that's really how it became my side hustle. And honestly, it's, it's neck and neck with my, with my technology business. And I'm just waiting for the day where it, it over, overcomes my technology business and becomes my main business. And then I can just full-time write screenplays and make movies. That's really what my goal is. Yeah. And uh, that's my goal too, to quit the nine to five routine uh, and, and eventually start my uh, business uh, it, well, I, I have, and uh, just really get into the niche of teaching people to narrate their own audiobooks and uh, make that and uh, building that uh, master mastery course. All right. Uh, so next question. Uh, um, is there anything that uh, you would recommend to uh, people that uh, do drone flights or is there a certain way you should go about filming uh, your first time to any new people, uh, to any newcomers of filmmaking? So both filmmaking and drones? You're, it's uh, a, it's a, uh, yes. Topics? Yes. So on the, on the topic of drones, that's, that's a touchy one because when I started out as a drone pilot, the restrictions were not that high you were able to film pretty much everywhere. You could fly everywhere. And I'm fortunate enough that I started flying a drone years ago and I was able to capture a lot of great footage. So I have a lot of great drone footage. But now, the past couple of years, there have been more and more government restrictions. There's more rules and regulations. And you have to apply through, at least in my case, I used a DJI um, Mavic um, drone. I used to have a D DJI Phantom, but the DJI company now requires you to, to apply through their website for a certain radius of an area that you want to fly in. And if, and if they don't approve it, 
it won't let you take off the drone from from the ground. It, it'll say, sorry, you can't take off. You're, you're in airspace or whatnot. So it's much more difficult now to fly a drone than it used to be. Matter of fact, I just saw an article recently where a guy got fined in Philadelphia, where I live, $182,000 in fines because he, he kept flying at night and wasn't getting the proper permits. Um, you definitely should apply through the government for your drone permit. That's number one. Number two, always apply through DJI or whatever company you use to get your radius um, approved to, for, for flight when you plan on flying. And always be careful when you're flying your drone to not hit people or buildings or go into traffic or hit trees. Like, be careful, like, be smart about it. And I always recommend people who want to buy a drone and want to start, I always tell them drones are not toys. Drones are very dangerous tools that we use as filmmakers. We don't use them just to fly around and have fun. We use them to capture beautiful cinematography, beautiful moments, you know, amazing uh, film. So just be careful, learn in an open field first, get used to the controls, take a class even, and get certified and then start using it. Same goes for filmmaking. When it comes to filmmaking, the best advice I can give a budding filmmaker or someone who's interested is watch a lot of movies, number one, to get an eye for cinematography, lighting, certain camera angles, um, you know, different types of techniques that are used, transitions, uh, pacing, even dialogue and character development, like read screenplays, watch a movie while you're reading the screenplay so you can see how it translates from page to screen. So you understand, okay, if I write this screenplay, I have to visualize it and see how I'm going to be shooting this. And you'll learn a lot from, from both reading screenplays and watching movies, especially watching movies. Watch independent films because that's kind of where you're going to be at. So watch a lot of independent films. Then I always recommend to work as a PA, a production assistant for a production company. Find one out there who needs help. And whether it's running cables, changing batteries, holding a microphone, you know, a boom mic or, you know, helping them with the camera equipment or filming B-roll, which is secondary footage that you add on top of a talking head, for example, and just learn, 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 even that, just learn the terms, you know, learn the words, learn the vocabulary, learn how to operate a camera, learn how to operate lights, learn how to operate audio, learn how to edit all of it together later on in post-production so that you understand the mechanics of the entire filmmaking process. Then spend a ridiculous amount of money on equipment, <laughs> you know, buy a really decent camera, buy some nice lenses, buy some nice equipment to, to capture audio and, and start filming, right? Just the biggest issue or the biggest challenge I think filmmakers have is they don't know what to shoot. And I tell them, shoot anything, go out to your parks, your rivers, your cities. And especially now with the pandemic, it's a lot less chaotic. So you have a lot more peaceful moments with like animals or, you know, trees or rivers or whatnot, or even the city streets and start filming really artistic stuff, you know, start honing your craft, learning different techniques, just shooting, 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 and then come home and start editing it into something tangible. Maybe put a song behind it and just try to match the moments to a song. Uh, maybe write a short screenplay, like five minutes long and, and try to make a short film about anything. It could be, it could be something boring. It'd be something interesting. Just shoot something that really interests you. And then once you get your skill level up, try to find people who need 
um, commercials or music videos, or they need some type of film work and offer them a very low price. You know, say, I'll do it for a hundred bucks. You know, just do it to, just to get paid something, you know? And eventually you'll start raising that rate to 200 bucks and 500 bucks. And eventually you'll reach a thousand bucks. Maybe you'll get a production budget to create an actual film. You'll get thousands of dollars to create a film, which by the way, is very difficult. Um, the filmmaking industry is brutal. Uh, Hollywood, obviously, in New York and a lot of other cities like Atlanta, Georgia is huge now. And, you know, India has a huge Bollywood and China has a huge filmmaking as well. It's not really easy to do in other cities. You got to do it yourself, you know, and finding grants online, you can apply to them, but it's very rare that you're going to get a grant. So you really got to push hard and, and show with your work what you're capable of and show that you're valuable as a, as a production, uh, you know, filmmaker and see if that works out in the end in terms of getting some type of job. But I always recommend people to, to not look for a job, to just do it as a passion. Yeah. And, and just start. Um, all right. Um, before we go any further, I need to uh, promote the show and and uh, let people know what's up. So if you like what you're listening to here, uh, uh, please consider donating to the show. There will be a link in the show notes. Um, you could donate uh, $5, $10, $500, $50,000. I don't care. All of this is not going to go into my pocket. This will go into the production of the show and and technical equipment to bring a better uh, podcast experience for you guys. Also, check out my website, RothsteinVoiceOvers.com. If you want to get into the podcasting space or need help with your audio for YouTube videos, I am here and, and we can chat and you can hit me up in the chat box on my website and tell me what you need and we'll work together. So, so yes, please consider donating and, and check out my website and all, you can find me on YouTube and Instagram as well, all the links for everything are going to be are going to be in the show notes. Oh, yeah, that was all a right. mouthful. Yeah, it's a yeah, it's a mouth mouthful. So, uh, back to the the start of just um, you know honing your craft and everything. So once you've gotten it and. Uh, maybe even taking a class on Skillshare.com, you would you would say uh, just start then uh, purchase, then you can just go and upgrade your equipment, or as well. Yeah, I I started out with really cheap equipment and then kind of worked my way up. So I'd start with like a five hundred dollar camera and then I'd work my way up to a fifteen hundred dollar camera and then a $3,500 camera, you know, and then eventually a $5,000 camera. And, and you kind of upgrade as you get better <clears throat> because what you do is you use the money that you're earning from the jobs that you're getting for video production to pay for your equipment. And when you make movies, you need a lot of equipment. People like to rent equipment. And I've, I've never rented any equipment in my life because I feel like it's a waste of money. I understand why people do it. 
but I don't feel as though it's worth it to me. And I'll tell you why. When you rent equipment, you're paying a decent amount of money for all this equipment when you could purchase one piece of equipment with the money you're spending. And sure, you can't make the whole thing with that one piece. You need all the pieces. But if you purchase a piece every time, then you have all of it. And instead of having to rent all this equipment to shoot one thing, you own all the equipment, which allows you to shoot anything you want, anytime you want, and you don't have to go rent it. It's a, to me, it's a big, I, I've never understood the whole renting thing. I've never gotten that. Um, maybe it's, I got lucky and I was able to purchase all the equipment, but um, I really, you know, I went out on, I, I took a risk spending my money on equipment, but it, it panned out because I worked really hard to earn enough on it. And you mentioned Skillshare. There's a lot of filmmaking tutorials out there. I used to watch a lot of filmmaking tutorials on, on YouTube. And there was a great show. I think it was called Film Riot. And I used to watch that too years ago. But one of the biggest pieces that I feel like helped me learn, I guess, the art of filmmaking was teaching myself the equivalent of a master's degree in, in filmmaking. I learned all the techniques I read about, you know, the beginning of the history of filmmaking from the 1800s. I watched all the old movies that came out starting back in the 1800s, early 1900s. I literally watched all the Charlie Chaplin's and Buster Keaton's and um, D.W. Griffith, um, you know, the United Studios, United Artists. And, and I just, I really kind of immersed myself in the history of filmmaking. And so when I came out of that kind of time period where I was teaching myself techniques and teaching myself everything, I started applying them in my filmmaking. And I feel like that really kind of took me to the next level. So I always tell people, teach yourself the history of filmmaking. Don't just watch movies and, and take classes online. Go back, you know, do your research, really learn where filmmaking came from and how the visual medium kind of took over from radio you know, for example, and, and, and added that visual element to it. And really, that's really how you'll learn cinematography. Nice, nice. Perfect. Um, okay. So, um, yeah. So is there anything in particular that, um, you love to do every day with filmmaking? Is it the editing specifically, or is it just getting out there and finding that new location and finding that those perfect shots that's such a tough question man because you know filmmaking to me is 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 an artistic endeavor uh like painting a painting or creating a, a, a you know um, a concerto for an orchestra so there's a lot of moving parts so to choose one of them it, it's it's tough because it's, it's an artistic endeavor now i'm going to say you mentioned editing editing is not my favorite thing because it's so time consuming. I prefer production. Uh, I, I prefer, I'm not even, look, every time I create something, I always have to do pre-production. So I plan everything out, outline and, you know, screenplay and, and like you said, scout locations, figure out who I'm going to interview, that kind of thing, storylines. But the best part is when you're out there filming. So my favorite part is getting out there with the camera, with the crew and capturing that scene capturing that moment where I say, Oh, that's, that's the moment I wanted. That's that beautiful 
sunrise or, you know, that animal jumped from one tree to the other and I, I got it right on time. And, you know, um, the trees are all different colors and you're flying with the drone and you see all the different colors. Like there's just moments. And when you have these moments or, or when, when you're interviewing someone and they're so, you know, sad about the moment and they're, or inspired by the moment and, they, and a tear falls and, and you captured it and you said, I got it. I got that part. That's when I feel good about something when I capture those moments that to me are very meaningful and editing later on, it's a chore. I mean, you have to sit there for, for weeks, months, um, editing, 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 and it's color correction and audio correction. And, you know, uh, just chopping up all the, the unused material and leaving in the good stuff. I mean, there, there's fun parts to that too. It's very, it can be very fun. Like my, my last film, the King's highway, I had so much fun on that because the topic was so interesting and the information I was learning about the history of America and the, the old documents and deeds and maps and letters that I had to rifle through and take pictures of and scan and put them into the, into the film when I edited, that was fun. You know, making music for certain moments in the movie, that was fun. You know, to me, it's a very fun process. And uh, when you finish it, there it is. It's, it's, it's there for the world to see. And you feel accomplished. You feel fulfilled. You feel like, I don't care if I make any money from this. It's incredible. People love it. And if you make money, it's even better. It's like a huge bonus. You're like, I just got a bonus. I made money from this movie. And I wasn't expecting to. I was expecting to just teach people about this topic, show people some beautiful cinematography and, and hope to inspire people on the call to action that was in the film. And I was able to do all that and it, and it really does feel amazing. So that's really, to me, that's the, the best part. Yeah. And, uh, you know, when I started my podcast in audiobook journey, you know, it was just that I did like talking to myself in a room or, and, uh, just reading, uh, you know, that's, you know, the, that uh, script that I had for myself uh, of my ebook, Growing the Game, which was, which is about baseball and, you know, growing the game of baseball in and of itself. And, and it was definitely, and it is that process that, uh, that, you know, is going to make people decide whether or not they like something as well. And, um, and it's just, and you're right. Uh, just get out there and, and, and just find it, find your passion. Yeah. And if you're not passionate about it, then don't do it because you're going to be miserable. Um, that's, that's a big one is, is every single industry and every single side hustle and every single job, there is a intricate detailed process to everything. And if you don't enjoy that process, then, you know, don't do it because you're, you're going to wake up and say, why am I doing this? <laughs> I'm miserable. So yeah, you have to love it. You have to love it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. So, so to get there, so to get the mess, so YouTube as well. Um, I mean, people should also be starting uh, YouTube channels is as well, just to showcase their work as well. Right. I mean, YouTube channels is where you want to post your, your material and you can use Vimeo also. And 
post some stuff on Instagram and, and Facebook. I, I always tell people post everywhere you can post a video because you never know who's watching Twitter as well, everywhere you can post a video. Um, if you're only put, you know, if you can only take a one minute sequence of your video and post it, do it. The more places you post it, the more people will see it and the more uh, potential partners you might get down the road. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I do the same with my podcasts. Uh, even if it's just audio only, I'll just put the logo on and then just have the audio in the background yep. and then just post it to my Facebook page, Instagram, uh, YouTube, um, and Vimeo. And I'll, and I'll just share the link on LinkedIn or something. Sometimes that works too. Every, every, anywhere you can. Yeah. Oh yeah. Wow. This, this definitely, uh, yeah, this is, um, yeah. So filmmaking, um, you know, oftentimes, uh, for a guy like me, I'm, I was like just nervous of putting myself on camera often and, and I just didn't like it, but, but I always was good at just, you know, talking and and just being the guy behind the camera and and just being the one to read the script and uh just sort of you know direct people so even still you know you know most people don't need to be on camera right and to do this uh but so it it is perfect for you know you know, for someone who just doesn't uh, want to be on camera. Yeah. I mean, I, I prefer directing. Yeah. Um, most of the time that I've worked with a camera has been behind the camera. I, I've never wanted to be an actor. I don't want to be an actor. It's not something that I want to do. Um, I've acted in a couple things, of course, but just, you know, simple stuff. Uh, so I always prefer to be behind the camera. I like to be directing, producing, writing the script. Um, and especially nowadays with the pandemic and Hollywood kind of changing how they now shoot their productions in a lot of, you know, studio in a box type situations where they're not shooting on location and without large crowds. Now is, a, is the time for independent filmmakers to write simple one camera, you know, minimal character driven scripts that they can shoot themselves because that's where the world is now heading because of this pandemic. Uh, podcasts are, are getting more popular. You know, independent films are getting more popular. The Blacklist just released their, their list of, of screenplays that have been looked at by industry professionals. And it's a huge list of screenplays. Read the log lines of those scripts and you'll see a lot of, you know, pandemic induced ideas, you know, two people stuck on a planet or two people, you know, trapped in a house or it's like very simplistic ideas. And now is the time to do these low budget films and a lot of production companies and studios who look for people to work with, they usually look for minimal budget, you know, micro budget or, 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 or low budget films to, to work on. They don't want high budget stuff. That's, that's, that's Hollywood. But the, the, the majority of production studios, they want to work with people who have low budgets. So start writing screenplays and, and start shooting simple movies and, and short films. 
Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, any, uh, any particular editing software, uh, that you would say, is it, uh, is the best, uh, for, you know, the ones that start Adobe Premiere Pro or, um, Audition or anything of the Adobe, uh, class, uh, would you recommend? I'm going to get killed for this one. (laughs) I'm literally going to get killed because I am probably the only person who uses a particular software that I am. I just, I just love this software. My disclaimer is the following. My first feature film I edited on Final Cut Pro on a Mac. I then tried to use Avid and Adobe Premiere. I did not like either of those. I am sorry. I just do not like them. A friend of mine who works in uh, Atlanta, Georgia, who used to live here in Philadelphia, got me onto a software program before I made my second film, The King's Highway, that I loved so much that that's my program. And it's called Sony Vegas Pro. And Sony Vegas Pro, to me, the reason why I like it is because it is so easy to use, but at the same time, it is chock full of features. Whereas a lot of times I would struggle in Final Cut Pro or Adobe Premiere to do certain things, certain techniques, certain styles or certain certain features. They, They came standard default in Sony Vegas Pro. The other thing that I think is hilarious is when people say, why would you use such a crappy software? That's not professional. And I say, I beg to differ. My movie was in 20 million homes worldwide on Comcast and Verizon. It streamed on WHYY and PBS. It was in film festivals. I had it play in movie theaters in front of thousands of people. And you wouldn't know that it was made on Sony Vegas Pro, would you? So you know, you can't knock it, guys. I'm sorry. I've made a professional film that, that is globally distributed as we sit here and talk. It's on Amazon Prime. Why would Amazon Prime allow them to be on there if it wasn't professional? They, they're very strict with their, their specifications. You know, um, I work with Tubi and Voodoo and Walmart and you name it. My movies are on all these platforms and my, my rendered videos seem to be doing fine. So that's just my preference, Sony Vegas Pro. So when someone comes to me and says, what software should I learn as a beginner? I say Sony Vegas Pro. If you want to do what the film industry is doing and the industry professionals, that's Adobe Premiere and Final Cut Pro. When it comes to screenwriting now, I do use the industry standard Final Draft. So that's you, you really should use something like that if you're going to screenwrite. And I know there's a couple other programs out there that people like, but Final Draft is the one that I, I've gotten used to. It makes screenwriting a lot easier. So Final Draft and Sony Vegas Pro, those are my tools of choice. Yeah. And I mean, sometimes I edit this, uh, the audio clips with Audacity and then just post it on my Buzzsprout account. And, and you know, and I show this off to my friends. I show this to my family. Uh, and they say, Adam, yeah, yeah. This sounds like professional grade stuff. It's, and, and then I see other people who have, you know, had the volume down and, right. 
and it's like, and I have to turn it up all the way on my phone when I'm walking and then, and then, you know, it's like, and then it's like, I want to tune out because I can't hear it. And, you know, it's, and sometimes, and you have to hit that certain uh, DB level uh, always uh, with your content. So, uh, So just, yeah. I use audacity too. And I, I use it for every single thing that I do. So I'm on your, I'm on your same page as you, man. Yeah. And, and I did download audition too, but yeah, yeah. But audacity certainly is just easy to use and it is free for, for anyone who wants to do uh, podcasting or filmmaking or anything with that audio, uh, start there and then work yourself up to audition. Yep. I agree. Yeah. Um, all right. We are going to the closing segment. Um, any, any last words, uh, anything, uh, you want to say to my audience or at all? Yeah, sure. Being an entrepreneur, business owner, podcaster, filmmaker, you know, web developer, musician, anything at all, right? It takes time to learn how to do it well. And sure, you might have some innate natural abilities that seem to come out of you much easier than other people. But the thing to keep in mind when you do any creative project or any technical project or any kind of project at all is it takes time. And there's no quick way to get things done. You have to go through the process. And I find a lot of people, they just want to get to the final moment. They just want to get it done. They don't want to learn anything along the way. They, they, they want to hire people to get things done. They don't want to, you know, spend the time that it takes to, to do things the right way. And so my message is to be patient while you're working on something, be uh, open to new ideas, learn as much as you possibly can from other people. And I know this is really cheesy and cliche, but enjoy the journey while you're getting to the destination because the journey is where you're going to have the most fun. It's where you're going to learn the most. And I always try to say too, if you're doing something creative, like writing a book or making a podcast or making a movie or writing music or you know anything at all, don't do it with the intention of earning money. That's the worst possible uh, outcome that you could come up with is, oh, I want to, I want to write a book and I'm going to make it a bestseller, or I'm going to make a song and I'm going to get a million hits. You know, it just doesn't, it's, it's so rare that that happens. So do it because you want to do it because you love to do it. And that because people will hear it or see it. And that should be what that should be your payment it should be the, the praise and the, the applause and um, the feedback that you get from people. And maybe you'll be lucky enough to eventually have it turn into a side hustle and or a business. Perfect. Perfect. Um, any, any final things uh, left? Anything at all? Yeah. Uh, the last thing I could say is that um, I help people to do those things. I help people to navigate the world of small business and entrepreneurship, scaling businesses through my book, Strap on Your Boots, which is on Amazon, uh, my course on Udemy called Startup Essentials, which I taught as a workshop at University of Pennsylvania's Wharton School and Drexel and Temple and other area universities. 
and my podcast, uh, same name as my book, Strap on Your Boots. Basically, I help entrepreneurs to save time and save money through experience that I've gained over the past 15 years of running businesses. So um, feel free to check me out at jasonsherman.org and you'll find all my links there. And uh, hopefully I can help people out. Um, as a hundred percent. Yeah. And I also hope to help a hunt uh, more people out as well uh, for next year in 2021 as well and help them get uh, their feet off the ground. Uh, yeah. Thank you very much for coming on the show. Uh, and, and uh, yeah, and you can find uh, Jason Sherman once again at jasonsherman.org. Uh, you do have a YouTube channel as well. I do. Uh, same name, Jason Sherman. Yeah, it's, it's, it's Jason Sherman and it, it's called Startup Essentials. It's a partnered uh, YouTube channel with zoomin.tv. So they, um, I put out an episode every week on there. There's some uh, good tutorials there too, like how to write a screenplay and how to edit videos and things like that. So um, people that want to learn free tutorials, they're on there. All right. And, and you can check out uh, me. I will have all the links in the show notes for both of us. Um, and with that being said, uh, stay safe, stay great, and I'll talk to you in the next episode.